Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. We've made it to episode 100. I am Austin Sumwitz, the host of this lovely podcast. Joining with me, as always, the man who helped get this show started, the man who has been on every single episode of All Things Elite, the one and only Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, my man, how you doing? I am doing well. Uh, it is my honor and pleasure to do this show almost weekly. Uh, we've had to skip a few here and there. Um, yeah, very excited to be on the show and doing this. Uh, it's a great product. I mean, I, I used to do a podcast where we mostly talked about the other company, which they are the other company on this episode uh, until it's time to talk about them. But, uh, and you know what? The product was bad. And you know what? I didn't look forward to doing the podcast every week because it just felt like I was spending the whole hour, hour and a half just shitting on what I was watching. If you know me, I am a happy person. I am a joyous person. I like to talk about what I like. And I think that's what everybody should do. But when you do need someone to dunk on anyone, I'm going to take this intro, Austin, because this, yes. When you do need someone to dunk on someone, there's only one person you call. He is the producer, rapper, and as title I gave him, the king of the victory lap, Mr. Rich Lotta. 
How you doing, Rich? Yo, man, I'm great, man. I'm glad to be here. Episode 100, all things elite. Uh, Floyd, you know, uh, you know, accomplishing it, this is uh, really great. Austin's jumped on and done such a great job. Happy for you guys and happy, uh, you know, AEW has lasted this long. And uh, really, you know, they've just been kicking ass, especially lately. Uh, <laughs> The last AEW Dynamite might be like my favorite episode of Dynamite ever. Man, uh, I, that's what I've, all I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just so impressed. The matches to the angles to everyone feeling over. And I don't know if it's me just, you know, after recovering from COVID-19, just being so happy about everything. But um, yeah, it, it felt like a really special week. And that goes from dark elevation to dark to Dynamite. Yeah, Rich also is like huh? Rio Mizunami, just just chilling there, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, Rich also co-hosts One Nation Radio on Social Suplex. I never want to leave that out, and I will give the rest of the intro back to my host, Mister Austin. Absolutely, man. And yeah, I gotta say too, because I jumped on this show. Uh, well over the halfway point getting into episode 100 and it's been a lovely ride and lovely blast to be on the show and having Floyd come to me with the confidence to take kind of the the reins for this whole operation um, really meant a lot. I really appreciated that he felt that I could do such a thing and I hope I've done well enough job and you guys have enjoyed having me since I joined and yeah we got a lot to talk about on this very special episode of All Things Elite. We got, like Rich said, might have been what a lot of people's favorite episode of Dynamite. We got some other news, too. Floyd mentioned with the other companies, something kind of happened we got to talk about. But before we get into the whole spiel, uh, I got to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, you can also just give us a share with your friends, family, cohorts, co-workers or whoever you want we would really appreciate that you can leave a rating and a review let us know what we can do better what we're doing right and if you're so inclined you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider red circle that would be huge of you we are at at elite pod on twitter at social suplex are the guys that make this whole show possible at estimer four is myself floyd is at floyd johnson jr on twitter and real quick let's get rich social media wise what would you like to plug yeah man you guys can uh follow me on twitter at rich latta 32 or tiktok at rich latta uh putting up a lot of music stuff uh to come and i've been um uh we're gonna be returned to one nation radio this sunday um the show will be back we've been off for uh like three weeks uh, if i'm not mistaken missed a lot of stuff uh, that i wish i could have talked about like Britt baker and thunder rosa and um you know everything else you know uh i but yeah uh you can follow me on twitter or uh tiktok all right and now obviously one of the big news of the week just in general for us is that we made it to episode 100 of this podcast which we're really happy to announce and we're really happy that a lot of you guys have stuck with us through every single episode that's huge of you guys if you've stuck around since the beginning thank you so much um we've also got some other news uh leaning into it i want to i want to talk about this first because we're recording this on april 2nd so recording this on friday and as we're recording this, this news dropped today, and I really, 
want to get Floyd and Rich's thoughts on this specifically because, I mean, the talk of the Forbidden Door ever since AEW started working with Impact Wrestling, ever since they had their interactions with New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Forbidden Door has been the thing that people in fans of AEW, fans of pro wrestling in general, have been talking about a lot. And the one thing about the Forbidden Door that people always were wondering about was that would that door open even wider to the most unlikely of entrants, the other company. We got to mention them by name, of course, now, WWE. And in a sense, something along the lines kind of happened. We had WWE Network tweeting out and WWE themselves retweeting that on the Broken Skull, on the Broken uh, Skull podcast on the WWE Network, hosted by one and only Stone Cold Steve Austin, his guest would be Chris Jericho, AEW superstar and inner circle leader, and he would be on the podcast. And we don't know exactly what's off limits when it comes to this, so a lot of people's minds were wandering a little bit with this one, and more so people were surprised to see Chris Jericho on anything WWE-related since he joined AEW. So we'll go... I want to go to Rich first on this one, more so, since you're our guest uh, for this episode, and I need to know, man, like, when you saw this appear on your feed, like, what was the first thing going through your mind? Holy shit. There it is. Yep, there it is. Um... And then Amelia, I saw, I was like, wow, like they really swung this. Like, I wonder what AEW gets out of this. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, well, AEW gets Jericho on there on that big platform. And that's kind of like, you know, um, I, I read the story about how it all came apart. It was simple as like just Vince and Tony Khan both just signing off like, yeah, we don't care. Go ahead. You know, and I think uh, it's a big move from all four parties from Austin to Jericho to Vince McMahon to uh, Tony Khan. And the reason Austin wants to do it is he wants to document Chris Jericho in real time right now. Um, And we don't want, you know, his legacy to end up weird just because like he, uh, you know, ended up leaving WWE. And I think it's more for the culture of wrestling. Uh, This is a great thing. And I think that, you know, just like Jericho is going to protect himself, you know, he's, and the only question is WWE will have some have control over the editing. So uh, they they could, you know, edit him to look bad or um, things like that. But Jericho's a pro. He's going in there uh, and he's this is like Austin and Jericho. They're like the godfathers of wrestling podcasting kind of. So it's like uh, pretty cool in that sense. And then uh, Jericho's going to get in there. And I assume he's going to talk about AW and. Uh, it's going to be just kind of like a uh, it helps WWE out with the Peacock stuff. People that are you know on defense are going to want to check that out. And then AEW gets a look by having Chris Jericho on there. And people are like, oh, what's Jericho doing lately? And, you know, he's I think he's going to try to use this uh, platform right here to become a main eventer all over again. I th- think it comes down to Vince McMahon is realizing exactly what we've been telling uh, everyone forever. AEW is not competition to the WWE. They are an alternative. The WWE has three one billion dollar deals. You know, SmackDown, Raw, and their pay in the network, all are worth a billion dollars over the next five years. Then you know, AEW. While I I pray that one day they are on that level, they they're not playing in that field. So. 
Only thing Chris Jericho being on uh only thing Chris Jericho being on Stone Cold do will give AEW more exposure and it will help bring more viewers to Peacock, which Vince desperately needs. So it works out for both of them. I Chris Jericho's had a 30 year career. I've seen the interview with The Undertaker. I imagine 90% is going to be uh, going from DCW to WCW until his first run in the WWF. And then they'll probably spend like the last five or ten minutes talking about AEW. It's not going to be the focus of the whole interview. Chris Jericho knows how to play the game. I don't think, I mean, no one his size becomes oh, the world champion. Year. What'd you say? Contract year for Chris Jericho. Yes. No one his size becomes the world champion in WWE, WWF without knowing how to play the game. And Chris Jericho knows how to play the game very well. So he's always going to keep both doors open. Cause so when Tony comes with that contract offer, that number's going to be right because Jericho's going to have somewhere else to go if necessary. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, the forbidden door being open, I think, is strong. But I do like that there's a communication there. I do like, come on. I, I, and I know he's not that big a name, but how awesome would it be uh, Stone Cold uh, having Eddie Kingston on that show? How awesome would that be? I mean, dude, mm-hmm. like just the the energies between those two guys is huge. I mean, yeah. like, uh, I know people would be like, uh, but when Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley, was on Stone Cold's podcast on the network, it was garbage. And that was WWE uh, John Moxley, so he was probably not the happiest person at the time. But regardless, and he didn't—he um, did not like to talk about his personal life. He didn't really. Right. No, it, he really it, it was like they double crossed him, and then like he can't pop off on Austin on the show. He just kind of has to eat it and grit his teeth and say, "Steve, like you know how this shit works. Shit is different." But he couldn't really say it in those words. So we all we in turn got was like a bad inter- interview. Yes, yeah. and it's funny because the company line is that Brock Lesnar is one of the best to ever do it. And Demoxley came in there and said he's lazy. He didn't want to do anything. <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> You're like John Cena. He's like, people don't know that, you know, Brock Lesnar is one of the greatest wrestlers ever. And then Triple H says it. And then. Moxley, the guy he worked with last, is like, that dude's a piece of shit. He didn't want to do anything. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you're not sticking to the, the line here. So I, I, I'm very interested in seeing where it goes. Like I said, Jericho knows how to play the game. AEW will be mentioned. He, it will be mentioned. And he will get it in there. Yeah, and yep. again, like, it's, 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 it's just nice to see that, like, like, reasonably like i think there's a realization of like oh these guys aren't trying to run us out of business or anything like that i think i think when people stop like viewing it as like that like and really thinking like the numbers between nxt and aew were like this like oh my god which company is gonna come out on top and what's gonna be the only one standing i'm like that's you're pushing it like it's just at that point it's just seeing like it's just watching numbers and i know a lot of people like also another I guess thing that we can tie into before we focus specifically on AEW was NXT's jump to Tuesday nights instead of Wednesday nights. They will no longer be going in the same time slot as a W Dynamite. 
So there's that. I mean, like, is there anything anyone wants to say about that? I guess because again, this, like, I don't view that as anything. This, like, this, really. this is the victory uh-huh. laugh. <laughs> this, is, this is the victory laugh. <laughs> ass kicked in. There's no no way about it. WWE sent out that goofy press release. It's not a marathon, <laughs> uh, it, or it's, not, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, they then proceeded to hot shot their entire company for two for a year and a half, loaded with main roster people, uh, goofy, uh, you know, uh, Dexter Loomis type shit, and it became yellow raw at certain points, and it ran a lot of people off, and they tried to wrap it in, you know, uh, you know the, this. Every time you know AEW, they just absurd amounts of counter programming. They weren't doing their show. Their stars became lesser of lesser value um, over time. Like I think NXT, like in Triple H, and really got exposed here by a hotter promotion that's more in touch with the fans and just has more freedom and goodwill right now. And NXT uh, coming off the network and going on the TV, eventually it was going to happen probably, but. We learned a lesson here. We learned the the power of goodwill. We learned that you can't just like hot shot stuff. And th- this was all stuff that I think a lot of people knew, but just couldn't believe, you know, it happened because, it, you know, it's WWE. And they, of course, they're supposed to win. They have all the history and they have the cool NXT brand. But we found out that NXT just really wasn't that cool. Oof. I mean, any hey, fans hey, listening, uh, uh, it's Rich who's uh, saying this. And then let me look, say this. I mean, like, look, Gargano and Chum have been there a long time, y'all. Like, what else you do with them? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, let me tell you, as a person, diehard NXT fan, always, I've never missed an episode of NXT on USA. And probably the three years before them, I had never missed uh, NXT on the network believe me i love nxt but nxt feels even now stale it's like takeover when you look at the lineup you look at an amazing lineup but none of these people feel hot right now and you know they gave them Finn Balor to help spike the rating. They brought Charlotte on. They brought Sasha and Bailey on. They, you know, they gave you Rhea Ripley on a on an episode of NXT, uh, winning the title, and it it spiked the rating. You know, don't get me wrong, but randomly find the titles out of nowhere. Yeah, getting both titles on the show again. They've done. They did everything they could, but you know what? The one thing they really didn't do. Is what they claim to do, and that's listen to the fans. Because exactly what AEW does is listen to the fans, and it's like their their hardcore fan base wasn't going to fall for Charlotte or Sasha or any of those people. People that have uh, people that have done nothing but lower the amount of viewers on Raw. Apparently, we're going to spike viewers on NXT. I don't know how that math works, but and also, every main roster they, person they sent down had this weird edict that they couldn't be beat. So it would lead to like goofy finishes and DQs and cheating and just unclean matches. And yeah, that's not what people were looking for in NXT. 
Yeah, it was just, you know, NXT was supposed to be the third brand. And I've never seen a brand be treated by way less than a third brand. And it's like, I, and you know, for the most part, I couldn't care. But, you know, you said they were going to be the third brand. When they came out, they, they won the Survivor Series. You know, the NXT belt was defended at WrestleMania. NXT was on the same level as all the titles. And then that somehow changed. And NXT started not looking familiar anymore. You know, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't game recognize game. You looking un, you looking real unfamiliar. It's, uh, I heard, uh, I heard that from uh, the Boondocks, and it was just like, yeah. And that's what happened with NXT. And my interest in the show in general, watching it every week just like I normally was, hasn't been solo in a very long time. I'm hoping the move till Tuesday, they can put the show on that they used to put on, where they built to takeovers, and, you know, maybe, you know, grab that heat back that they once had. Right. And the one thing I will say, too, is that a lot of the guys, like, this has been, like, I think, what people said specifically, and this would be the one only thing I really say on the matter, is that, like like you said, like people like Gargano and Ciampa have been there a long time, and some of the faces there like aren't fresh anymore. So I know new people are being signed to the Performance Center every every month or whatever, or whatever they whenever they decide to sign them. Like, you get new talent that come in and try out and all that kind of stuff. It's a little less now because of the pandemic, but we're getting out of it. And hey, that's another thing. The Performance Center has not yielded the results. That AEW has. Like that's very true. That's very true. They've developed like this class of people over the last year on dark. And it's like there's young prospects everywhere, like Lee Johnson. They're taking people like Ty Conti, who was just spinning her tires in NXT, not learning really anything, and having terrible matches with um what was her name? Santana Garrett. And then she comes to AEW, she's on fire right now. So it's like the development aspect of NXT is lacking. The stars that were like there don't feel like they did, and it, it's just AEW just just like I said, kick their ass in. So deal with it. <laughs> so there's the victory lap. Yes, yeah, so yes, we've proved that the WWE can lose. We we've All proven right. that. Well, there you go. If you, for those who viewed it as a war, there is your war outcome, I guess. Um, but. Now we can move really quickly into the BTE recap for Being the Elite. Uh, Floyd, what can you tell us about this week's episode of Being the Elite? What did we see? Okay, so Being the Elite this week, they didn't have the Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero thing on it. So There's a plus. That was a plus. And I enjoyed this episode because there wasn't this big hole of unentertainment in it. I actually saw someone post about that. On Twitter about how they don't understand where they were going with that. I, I, I felt justified. I didn't feel like I was just bitching <laughs> about something. I was like, okay. No, uh, Matt Harvey is pissed at Darby Allen and Sting because they got in his business. And he says, if Darby, I, I, he sees everybody, sees Jeff Hardy in him. 
Uh, but if he doesn't, uh, you know, get out of his way, he's just going to take that TNT title away from him for fun. Uh, you know, he's like, and he's telling Private Party, we got to work with Dark Order. I mean, Dark got to work with the Butcher and the Blade if we're going to get rid of the Dark Order. And he's like, how do you communicate with him? Well, apparently, Matt Hardy can flip into Broken Hardy anytime he needs to, big money Matt. So he did and communicated to him and got them along. And he's like, basically, you know, I worked him. And he was like, well, I thought Broken Matt was dead and... He's like, no, I can do whatever I need to do to manipulate people into doing what I wanted to do. And he's like, well, you didn't do that with us. He's like, well, yeah, I did. I was your hero going up. You got worked. And he's like, he just told us we were some marks. Yeah, basically, that's exactly what he did. And that was kind of funny. He told them, I mean, because once you got them under contract, you can take off the mask. And he just said, yeah, you got worked. <laughs> and it was that was I thought that was probably way funnier than a lot of people does because that's pretty much you know you know his whole Hardy thing has been like a Vince McMahon kind of shot and that's how you hear is that when he's trying to sign you it's like we got all these plans we got all these plans he gets you under contract okay we got we see nothing in you anymore go to catering as they put it um, uh, Marco. Uh, is having a discussion that all these people have first everything first to do that first to do that he said i think i heard there was another announce table and he's like i think it's spanish announce table maybe spanish means second and then he was like he's like i want to be the first person to go through the Spanish announce table. So in the back was Alex Abrahantis, and he's hearing him, and he runs and tells Dasha and the other guy, I have no idea what his name is, uh, that, you know, I think they realize that there's a second announce table. And so they all grab weapons. One in, uh, Dasha has a kendo stick. Uh, one guy has, uh, I forgot what it was, like a chain or something. And, uh, Alexander Hintis just got a bell. He has a bell, like a cowbell. And so Marco comes over to the next table and they start shaking him and chase him off. I thought that was pretty funny because, you know, we know how the Spanish announce table is in WWE lore. You know, it's getting broken. So it, it, the fact that he wants to break it. Uh, we get to Dark Order, who's, of course, a huge part of the show. Uh, John's loss was a huge loss, and they realized Matt Hardy's a dick, and they need to feel uh, John. They may need to make uh, Johnny Hungry feel better. Uh, we get a public swole announcement that uh, the mask goes over the nose. She said she didn't think she needed to come back, but y'all uh, y'all aren't grown, so she had to educate you. And if she sees your mask not over your nose, she's going to smack the shit out of you, which I thought was hilarious, threatening violence. I love that. Uh, then we get Alan Angels, who's going to sacrifice his right arm to give it to Johnny. And Johnny's like, I don't want his shitty right arm. I want his shrimp dick. So they did a thing where it looks like they were cutting off his dick, but really just a piece of shrimp fell on the ground. So that was kind of funny. Uh, and last but not least, you have Brandon Cutler. He took uh, the uh, the young uh, the young bucks to the woodshed. Said they're not the same guy. He lost and they're not on him. He's like when we were in the backyard, y'all we, you know, 
publicly and basically publicly dressed me down for messing up. And I got pinned and you're not leaving me. Maybe Kenny and that uh Kenny and uh Don are right. The human piece of garbage, which is Don Callis. Maybe they are right. Maybe yeah. you have lost your edge. Do you know I do you know how many times I, I, I this is a side note, how many times I've thought this exact storyline would make a good storyline for a wrestler? You know, a, a, a guys that get the championship and they're satisfied with just being champion, like they've reached their pinnacle or goal. I, I didn't mean to use pinnacle, no pun intended. Uh, or go, they reached out their height and then they get relaxed because you see that all the time with like Super Bowl champions and different champions in different sports. You know, they get the big contract and then they don't play anymore. You know, they're not as aggressive. So I think this is a perfect storyline for them. And I love Brandon Cutler, the guy that they gave two jobs to, the guy that they keep on TV, you know, being the one that says, I need you to be who you used to be. I need you to find that hunger again. I love it. Uh, Rich, did you watch this episode? you have any thoughts? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I think Brandon Cutler has been doing a, excellent job lately kind of conveying the frustration and uh everything that has to go do with the young bucks and he's stepped up in the ring as well uh recently and i know a lot of people see cutler and they just dismiss him as some goofball but i think the guy's a good wrestler um and he's you know like he can do all the flying stuff he can sell uh he's got good height on him and uh you know i i think um the the elite it's it's always very compelling when they're when they go at it because they find a way to like <clears throat> most times you watch wrestling you're like ah eh, whatever you know it's wrestling but when the elite for some reason it's always feels more personal like and it always feels like they go there and they just suck you in like they're master storytellers like the five of them. All right. Well, I think now we can get into the dynamite uh, review we had on. March 31st, 2021, opening up with the AEW debut of Christian Cage taking on his former rival from Impact Wrestling, Frankie Kazarian. And I got to say, dude, like, I I love that they made this match to begin with. Second of all, like, these guys work really well. You've got two strong veterans in the wrestling business going at it. And having Christian like really showcase just being like, like whole storyline going into this. Is there any ring rust for Christian? We haven't seen him in a ring in a very long time, and there was a lot of good points where Kazarian got a good like good uh, amount of offense and just to really work that in. I know Christian's shoulder and neck got worked for a while and like put him into submissions where it looked like Christian was going to fade out and. Christian was able to fight back and was able to get the win with, uh, with, uh, his, uh, I don't, yeah, they do still call it the kill switch. Yeah. So he hit him with the kill switch, got him, got the pin on Frankie, very strong win for Christian starting off. And I am, I'm all for it. I think the real thing is just like how long before, um, they shoot the shot with Christian cause they teased him going for the AEW championship and he said before that's what he wants to be and he's saying how he's got to work his way into it um like my curiousness is just exactly what kind of feud they give christian leading into before he tries for the uh aw world championship so i'll throw it to rich real quick thoughts on this match and possibly 
Christian's future in AEW before he eventually gets his title shot. Yeah, man. Um, I was very impressed by this match. Um, it felt like a natural like rivalry, like with, you know, it was loaded with history. They referenced that history and it was like just a super well-worked professional match. And if Christian's going to come in here and do, you know, add that kind of value to the show, uh, to where he can, you know, just wrestle anybody and, you know, it'll, it'll be a match where no one gets hurt, but you know, just uh, some cool things happen and there's drama at the end. Um, I, I think selling Christian as like this big super duper star is the wrong tone for him. I think if you just kind of sell him as an everyman and let him do his thing, I think he brings way more value like that. And if like this is what we're going to be having, I welcome Christian in a way I did not when he first walked out on the pay-per-view and how they you know, framed him in that uh, way. But I think if he continues to do solid work, I don't see why he can't uh, be involved in the world title picture. Uh, you know, it's nothing for him to take a one wing angel, you know? <laughs> um, but besides that, I think he looked good. I think Frankie looked good. I'm a, I've become a very big fan of Frankie Gazarian's like pretty much oh, starting yeah. with his match with Moxley last summer. It was just like, he's the Roddy strong of AEW. He's just an incredible worker. Uh, always tries hard, <laughs> never going back. Um, and, he, and he's just someone that takes care of his body. And, and he's into his 40s. And he, um, is, he's really a great glue guy. I couldn't think uh, of a like you know better guy to, to start coaching with there. And possibly, I, I'd love to see them wrestle again. I know we just railed on rematches, but like that made me want to see another match between them. Yeah, and I can see them doing it later, Dark, or if, like, Kazarian and when Kazarian and Daniels, officially, you know, eventually break up, you know, and Kazarian has to go separate ways, I can see it going that way. Um, big thing with me is I'm, I've been watching some old WrestleManias as we head towards WrestleMania season, and I'm watching WrestleMania 17, and it honestly, this show in WrestleMania 17 actually gave me similar feels, even though they had nothing to do with each other. WrestleMania 17, you got all these big matches going on. You got Stone Cold and The Rock. You got, you got the Miller-like catfight girls going at each other. You got all this stuff, hardcore matches, all this big stuff, TLC, but in the middle of the show, and I, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, Rich, you have Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle. And you know what they do for 20 minutes? Have an amazing wrestling match. All this other shit's going on around it, but then they remind you that t every week you tune into a wrestling show. And they were just as entertaining as anything else, but they just wrestled. I know this was the first match and not the middle of the show, but based on what happens the rest of the show and how big everything was... It was the reminder from the, at the very beginning that what you tune into every week at 8 o'clock Eastern on TNT is a wrestling show. This was a perfect wrestling match. I cannot speak higher of Frankie K. I, you'll just see me on Twitter and I'll just say, dude, if you need, you need a great match, you need a match to keep everybody's attention and just be well worked, you call Frankie, you put him on. Anybody on the roster, he's going to figure it out. That's like one of the biggest compliments I can give to anybody because I don't ever remember a Frankie K match being boring. And, yeah, so, uh, yeah, that first match was great. It, it was exactly what it needed to be.
Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the praise for Frankie too. Good, I, everything you said, like I'm right there with you. He kills it every single time. I never have anything bad to say about him. But we'll go quickly into uh, two little highlights of video packages and such uh, before our next little segment. Uh, there was a video package of Sting and Darby Allen, basically uh, Darby saying that Matt Hardy. Uh, uh, has to earn his respect because his money doesn't mean shit to him. Bunch of money being burnt. Uh, I did love the fact that uh, if you look closely enough, it is Bucks Bucks. Uh, so Young Bucks uh, money was being burnt around them uh, because, listen, TNT's smart. They know they're not going to film that and be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Uh, so that was, uh, I found that to be kind of funny, but the 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 preference the the point they were getting across was really good and I love the imagery that Darby uses. Oh, sorry, what'd you say? Oh, I get I must have missed something. Whatever. Now nah, we'll go into the next thing. Uh, there were highlights of Jade Cargill basically saying she knew Red Velvet was shook. You keep talking week after week because you realize nobody can be me. I am that woman. I am that bitch. Uh, just running around. Hey, let's continuing. make this money. Yeah, let's make this money. Yeah, like, just I, make this I, match. Yeah, I think Jeez. they need, need to rush her to the front. She really is. I completely agree. They need to rush her to the front of the line when it comes to figures. Even though I don't think a figure will ever do her physique justice. She Not put out, no, dude. Like it's gonna. It's like I don't know how I'd be like terrified to do that wrong. Yes, because on Instagram she put out this picture of her abs. And I was just like, like, I've just never been, like, in awe of someone's physique like hers. There's a big program in the women's division that could happen. If it's me, I'm put, I'm doing a three-way. I'm putting Britt Baker, putting Sheeta, and I'm putting Jade in there. And basically, I'm using, to turn, yeah, I'm, I'm using this to take the belt off of Sheeta, get it on Jade, and turn Britt Baker, Baker babyface, eventually, to, to be able to try to chase Jade. And that's going to be like, like it, th- that would be incredible. Yeah, I'm. I I can totally see that honestly, and I do. I do like how we'll talk about Brit a little bit more because, uh, like, on last week's show that we didn't really get to talk about because we weren't recording, um, Brit still really dug her heels into um, being a heel after her amazing performance in that unsanctioned match. Um, but yeah, I do think a babyface Brit uh, turn that would, could be good. As someone that was on the Brit Baker is good from day one, oh, I was very proud of her performance and, and happy and vindicated. And um, and I think they've held the belt off of her uh, long enough. And as, and she's a heel and she's already gotten back over. So like, I wouldn't even put on her as a heel. I would just like transition her back to being a babyface eventually. And then, you know, who's the, who, who would be a better person to try to win the belt from? Like, unless Thunder Rosa wins it and they, they go that direction, which they could. But yeah. um, I do definitely think that Britt could be that girl to give Jade her first loss though. I don't possibly I mean, lose to her too. So like, I, uh, you know, Either way, I, I think that dynamic of like Brit like earning everyone's respect over, you know, this thing this long time and then Jade's just been awesome. Everyone respects Jade already, I think. And I think you've got stars uh, like right there. Yeah. Yeah, Jade, I I know 
long-term storytelling is not in fashion, even though AEW does it real world. I don't think anybody should touch her for like a year. And I I just think, and I don't know if that includes being the champion or not, but when you, whoever's going to be your next person, the next first of the women's division, that's who should pin Jade. Do not let it just happen in a random match. Jade has to be untouchable. She is, she is Goldberg. She is Lady Goldberg. (laughs) Give her, let her run through people and let her do it fair. And, you know, just beat up people. And she's the heel that she's a heel because she wins all the time. That's why she's a heel. All right. Now we have some nightmare family drama as we go into our next match, which is an exhibition match with special guest referee, the enforcer, Arn Anderson. American Nightmare Cody Rhodes facing off against what he said from last week, his best friend, QT Marshall. Nightmare family members, including uh, members of the Nightmare Factory, uh, surround the ring, and they uh, shake hands before the match, and basically, uh, last week, Cody said, I'll have this exhibition, but if I put you in the figure four, if I get you in position to hit the crossroads, I'm not going to do it, and it's not to be disrespectful. I'm not going to hurt you. So... Uh, multiple times, uh, Cody tries and gets him in those positions, lets him go. QT gets very mad about that and eventually slaps him um, and tries to work the shoulder uh, injury that Cody had. And um, after uh, Cody ducked a crossbody from QT, uh, he proceeds to um, he rolls out of the floor, QT, and then uh, Dustin pats QT and then. QT pushes him. Cody is on the ropes uh, and just holds it open for QT to get back in. Just be like, come on, man. Let's just finish this up. He goes in. He gets the crowd clapping. And right as that happens, he slugs Arn Anderson with a cheap shot. <laughs> I loved it. Such a good spot. JR is, like, completely repulsed by this. And he just goes up to the top of the ramp. And he's, like, looking like, oh, my God. What did I do? It's like he's like, like looking like he's shocked. But right as that happened, like all members of the Nightmare Family got into the ring. But then Aaron Solo hits Billy Gunn with a steel chair as he's checking at Arn Anderson. Then Anthony Agogo starts wrestling, fighting people, and Nick Camarado starts going. All these members of the of the Nightmare Factory all of a sudden just start beating the shit out of everybody else, and. And QT's just watching up on top of the ramp. And Tony had a great line here. QT has poisoned his students' minds. Love that line. And they just decimate Dustin, bust him open. They beat up Cody. And basically, they were going to just destroy his arm with uh, steel chairs. Hooked his arm in there. And Red Velvet comes out telling him to stop. And... Obviously, that moment would have been better if it was Brandy. We understand why she's not on TV, but, you know, whatever. I don't think it ruined the moment or anything like that. This segment was great, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get Floyd's perspective on this segment, but first we'll go to Rich because I want to hear from him first real quick. Uh, thoughts on this uh, exhibition match and uh, the aftermath? It's absolutely brilliant. They, it looked like they were um, 
headed towards this Bruno San Martino, Larry Zabisco type thing. And my only concern was can QT do the talking that's necessary for something like that? They have like alleviated my like I, I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore because they've now given him his own unit. Um, this is what I mean about potential. All those people that were surrounding so, so the ring, um, it's well known. QT is a great trainer. Uh, a go-go looks like a fucking monster. Uh, Lee Johnson's there. He gets to be a, a baby face to help Cody out. And uh, someone like Red Velvet like gets in there. Um, Solo has been a good veteran that's around for years. Camarado uh, impressed people like with, it, with his power wrestling. And I think QT also... Uh, as a, someone that said QT Marshall was awesome from day one, another vindication thing here, super molten hot angle crowd. The crowds were there. They would insane. Um, and it feels like Cody has something to do. Finally. I know Floyd's very happy about that, but this is, um, this is really cool. Uh, another unit. I love units forming. Uh, give me more factions. The more people you can stick together and try to make stars, uh, the better. Uh, so I'm all in on this. I hope they do a war games. So I, I am I'm, I, I am going to do something I don't do very often. Based on the match and how he wrestled, Cody deserved everything he got. He was a kind of a dick to QT. He looked he big brothered him. Like a lot, <laughs> you know. I'm not. Yeah, I was like you can at least give me the respect to just beat me. You know what I mean? You're gonna say, "Well, I could have beat you, but I'm just gonna let you go." Well, I could have beat you again. I'm just gonna let you go. Let me pat you on the back. You're doing a good job, buddy. That's very condescending. If my brother had done to me, he would have got kicked in the nuts. You know, it was just what happened. So I kind of understand it was well told what would cause QT to snap. But we find out QT, the mastermind that he is, had planned this whole betrayal. He had built up his roster. And if you look at the Nightmare family, he kind of took the biggest and baddest, you know, Anthony Agogo, Olympic boxer. And how much did, you know, the announced team got over, you know, they got, they talked about him enough. He's been on dark. You're familiar with his background. Taz has talked to him about how you throw a punch and stuff. So when he punches Cody in the stomach, or was it Dustin? I don't remember which one it was. But when he punched, yeah, when he punches Cody in the stomach, that means something because they've been building up how strong of a puncher he is for months. That Nick Camarado, how strong he was, and everybody was like, "Why are they just bringing all these people in the Nightmare Family?" Tony always has a plan just remember that anytime you're about to question AEW remember Tony always has a plan he doesn't just do anything so they put the pieces in and and Aaron Solo is basically baby QT Aaron Solo's been wrestling for how long he was a Ricky starts in the tag team he shit he moved to Australia to try to wrestle and finally get signed can never get that contract right and it's like, oh, Aaron Solo's in the Nightmare Family, but did he get the AEW? Did he get the uh, Welcome to the All Elite Family? Yeah, I don't believe he got the graphic. He didn't get the graphic. He got the Welcome to... He was in the Nightmare Family, but he wasn't signed. Oh, so bitter. Just sitting back there waiting. And it's like, these are the perfect three people to roll with QT. QT went and got him some size, and he got him some veteran. He got another veteran, and he's like, dude... We're gonna Shout mess. Youth. 
Yeah, we're going to mess them up. We have been in these people's shadows for too long. Nick Camarada, I don't even think he had his own music. So, and, I, and you know the way AEW rolls, this is all going to get brought up over the next few weeks. All the bitterness. Yeah. You know. It makes I, it I work so... Impressed. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And I, and I love Red Velvet coming out at the end because it was like, who's left? Or whatever. And it, it, keep, it keeps Red Velvet being important as she does her stuff with Brandy. And then, I, I don't know, it's just like everyone's just felt so over out here yeah i'm I, red velvet needs her nightmare family graphic i just wanted to throw that in there real quick <laughs> I, I gotta say too because like like you said like how all this stuff that's been set up like how with all these members of the nightmare factory and how like they've got all this baggage that they can just let out all at once and i think having this legitimate these legitimate gripes is only going to make them as a group more legitimate because it just it just gets it across that like oh no um like it's it's it just makes it so much more like someone can look at that and be like okay hang on a minute you're saying something actually you're not just being an asshole you're not just being like oh we hate cody it's like there no we have legitimate gripes with him and i think this 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 group could be really really good um i got i'm i got two other thoughts but then we can move on First of all, I think this QT group is a vehicle to get Anthony a go-go over. I think that is the main focus of this vehicle is to Anthony a go-go, the Olympic boxer. I think they see a lot in him in the future. I think he's going to be the main focus. You know, like when the tag match happened, it was to get Jade over. I think Anthony a go-go is going to come out of this whole thing looking uh, great. And last, yes, I have to agree with Rich, and I have to it, – it gives Cody something interesting. I know uh, from what I understand, the whole MJF thing a long time ago was supposed to be his, and you can tell because they have had nothing for Cody. Other than that Shaq thing, they have had nothing interesting for Cody, and it's just like, oh, my God, he's in a feud. I even say feud Cody is peak Cody. Few Cody is cutting the promos that people are talking about all week. That's what Cody does. He's going to bleed, just like Dustin did in this. He, Cody's going to bleed. He's going to bleed a lot. And, and now it's funny because everybody's like, blood and guts, blood and guts, because everybody wants it. Now you have two possible scenarios that could eventually end in a blood and guts. How awesome is that? Great booking. Yes, we can now go real quick. Uh, there was a little promo for Elevation, specifically focusing on all ego Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky and how uh, they've been overlooked. They've been uh, passed aside and they're going to take everything and anything they want. And it starts on Monday on Elevation as they face off against the Seidel brothers. Um, I do like how they gave uh, an actual segment to promote uh, Elevation as opposed to just being like, oh, just tune into Dark and Elevation and then we'll tweet the matches on. I, I like that they actually built um, like little like it wasn't anything huge or anything like that. It was a small little package to um, like get it across. But I do like that they're actually using Dynamite Time to promote those other shows and like specific matches that people would want to see. Uh, to tune into that, so I thought that was it was nice to see that. Um, and then real quick after that too, Red Velvet was interviewed by Dasha and then got jumped by Jade again. 
Yeah, the Sidell brothers are a nice little solid tag team uh, underneath. And, uh, I'm interested in both Sky and Paige. They have similar gripes. Um, and I th- I'm a huge fan of them both. Um, and as far as like elevation uh, goes, like it's WCW Worldwide reincarnated. Uh, while I was sick, I found some YouTube channel where I was watching WCW Worldwide um, in these marathon blocks. It would be like a three-hour taping or whatever. And then the YouTube video would be like uh, like an hour, like two hour, like a two-hour video, and it'd be like four shows back-to-back. All types of weird little goofy matches that are cool. Like there was one uh, match or one show. It was headlined Chris Jericho versus La Parca or whatever. Imagine the money that would have made in 2019. Um, and Dark Elevation and Dark are very much the same way. We don't know where all these people's careers are going to be, but they just have these little cool matches all the time. And I think the Side Out Brothers versus um, uh, Paige and Sky is like a, a nice example of that. Some of the stuff they're doing with the women that are that are there, and I really enjoy those shows because they're they're totally different from Dynamite. They, they are. They they absolutely are. Um, and it's one of those things that if you're doing something else, it is great to have on, you know, as a background, like, cause I do it while I work a lot and, you know, I, I you know, everything, everything, you know, I watch the matches and whatever, and it catches me and like, they'll say something on commentary that I have to pay attention to. It's great. It is. It is not like these three-hour block or two-hour block that you have to block off and pay every attention to. Because pretty much by the match, you can kind of tell who's going to win. But stories move. You know, they're setting the building blocks for everything. Like this whole Nightmare Family feud, I could. St- I could see a lot of it. A lot of the minor matches happening on Elevation and Dark, and that is what is needed there. Yeah, and I do. That's the biggest thing for me with elevation is just like having story elements uh, being pushed is definitely what I need for these sideshows. It's just, I need it on dark too, and I want it on dark too, and I like when they have like these small little bits of like seeds they're planting. Um, but I do like having elevation having more of the like, well, like you're actually seeing development like in front of you on the show instead of just seeds being planted. But We'll get quickly into the next match, which was John Moxley versus Cesar Bononi. Um, and I didn't really have much to expect for this match. I know I've been like slowly growing on uh, Bononi, and I've been like enjoying a little bit more of what he's do- doing. I did like how he had a good, strong uh, performance for a little bit, uh, up until the point where... Um, John Moxley got that rear naked choke and then just basically dropped him in the uh, match. Um, this one, welcome um, to the Cesar section. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. You're the. Oh, you're the Cesar section. <laughs> I love Cesar Bononi. All right. All right. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that um, AEW seen a lot in him and putting him against John Moxley in this match. Um, I do think um, coming up on like Elevation and Dark, we're going to see a lot more of him really growing and getting uh, a possible feud i think would be nice but i do think that um out of everything else that happened on the show um despite the fact that i do see promise in bononi this was the one thing i cared about probably the least <laughs> let me uh, let me say this go, go ahead sir i was gonna say um with, with bononi the thing is with him 
he looks like somebody. And yes, he he is someone that anyone can get in the ring with, and it makes him look better by beating him. And I think him being in an environment that cares about him now will, will make his skills come off a little better. I like. I don't think it's anytime soon, but I think he's going to be somebody one day uh, in wrestling. And I, I think he's a likable guy. Uh, he's having a lot of like um, troubles that are out there right now um, with his wife regarding bone marrow. And a lot of people are rooting for him right now uh, to do well. So uh, there was like a little spot, I think, at the end. John Moxley kissed him on the shoulder after the match, kind of just, you know, you know, thanking him for the match, it seems like. And um like this is this is what I mean about the depth of AEW. I don't know if I'm just a mark for everything, but it's just like you can find a way to kind of invest in even the smallest people because that that unit that's there uh, with Peter Avalon leading JD Drake, who has all the respect uh, of like you know deep indie fans, uh, Ryan Nemeth, who's like got his own gimmick, who I'm kind of understanding why he's around now, and then Benoni, and it's like these three different looking people with Avalon. It's just like this wacky lower card unit that's fun as hell. And then they can fight a baby face or something like that. And then, you know, I think J.D. Drake's going to get a chance next week to really show everyone, you know, what he can do. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about the match, but I didn't know about what was going on with Benoni until this week. And as I heard it, I was oh, like, oh, yeah, I was like, oh, Lord, every time you think. To a point, and you know, I'm not going to completely blame them. They're not a charity, but every time you think WWE can't get more fucked up, then you find out something new. It's like, yes, it's like, oh, oh, they didn't, they dropped you in uh, the middle of a pandemic, and you didn't have a work visa anymore, huh? And then they never gave your wife a visa. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Like, and it seems I I know AEW probably think they can get a lot of them, but it seems like AEW just kind of being nice when it comes to him. Like, let's keep you in the country, and their lawyers are helping him, you know, and his family get through everything. Got an interview with immigration. I was like, like I said, I'm very ancillary. I try not to get too far into wrestlers lives other than what I see past me and scroll me on Twitter. But that was like an article I had to click on. Cause I'm like, well, what? Oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. Cesar Maloney. He's my guy. Now I'm rooting for him to succeed in life. Just based on what's happened to him. And he does have a look. The dude looks like a million bucks. It's like, it's like one of those moments when he reminds me of one of those guys that'll wrestle for like 15 years and then he'll get it. Like Mark Henry was, you know, Mark Henry always had the look, always had the size. Then, you know, then the hall of pain happened and it was just like, why weren't you this for the last 10 years? And I feel like that's going to happen right. with Cesar Bononi when it eventually, when he eventually gets it and they get his character, he's going to, it's going to be like, why weren't you always this? Yeah, and isn't it crazy how if a company values their talent and actually gives a shit about their problems, that they might be uh, more likely to resign and such. So, it's crazy. Um, but, next is, pro I, I gotta say, this is my favorite segment of the show. Oh my god. MJF had a gift for the Pinnacle uh, to celebrate them and saying how, like, oh, you guys are great. I'm so glad to have you guys in this new 
dominant faction. Um, he got them their own person, personal stylist. They didn't really seem to pop for that, but he's like, okay, it's all good. You know, this locker room's pretty shitty Both and everything, obviously. From, yeah, it's like, so they decided, well, MJF decided, okay, I got us an interior decorator to spruce up this uh, lounge area we stole from the inner circle. And uh, he's like, oh, man, like, look at it. We're also going to fix up this bathroom. They open the door and then MJF and his crew are just standing there, just like with the meanest face. He looks and then just shuts the door like, we got to go. We got to go. Tries to go out the other door and Hager's blocking it. And then finally the inner circle gets their hands on the pinnacle, gets full payback. And every single member of the of the pinnacle gets destroyed. Uh, it's like Sean Spears got slammed by Sammy through a door. Um, Hager got... Uh, uh, Wardlow and put him through a table. Santana and Ortiz took uh, FTR and threw him in an ice. He threw him in an ice bath. Uh, Cash went in, and then Dax got bloodied like ridiculously to the point where he had stitches. And then MJF got a swirly from Jericho, and they finished it off uh, by throwing him through that Pepsi refrigerator in the corner, and then just saying, "This is our dressing room, bitch," and pouring a little bit of the bubbly on MJF's face, and then just taking their lo- their locker room back. I was losing my mind on this segment. This is so good. But we'll go to brilliantly Rich real quick. shot. Yeah, br- brilliantly shot. Um, to, to, to see how this, they slowly open the door, you realize the inner circle's in there, and then Hager's on the other side because he's a fucking MMA fighter and he can handle himself, uh, even amongst you know being outnumbered. Sammy gets uh, his revenge on Sean Spears, and you saw the little cross matchups that are going on here. This is a hot feud. Um, I think MJF's like incredible. I think Jericho is going to get he's he's basically refreshed himself as a main eventer now, and I, I think it's very important uh, for them to make sure Sammy and Wardlow end up like the the keys to this thing uh, in the ring. But um, yeah, man, this was this was excellent, and also I want to see all these guys bleed and fight each other. You know what? If this was the th- what third segment on the show that could have been the last segment of the show, and the show would have ended hot, and it ended hot. Uh, this was it was perfectly done. I love that my boys, proud and powerful, get to be the badasses that they are. They are two people that they can put on a great regular match. I've seen them in great matches against the Lucha Bros, great matches against the uh, other LAX. Seen them in great matches everywhere. But when they go to that next level, when they go to their Kenny Omega level, if you want to say that about a team, it's when they're in street fights. Man, LAX, Proud and Powerful, whatever you want to call them, might be the kings of the street fight. There's another tag team that we'll talk about later that is also excels in street fights. Like, no rules. They are really good because they fight. And Jake Hager... Oh my God! I I you know when WWE signed him and they signed him out of they were like man you're going to be the next face of the company or whatever, but AEW has found his perfect role. He is just a badass. He's like he doesn't talk much. He doesn't <laughs> do that. He he can he 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 has great comedic timing. But when you open the door and you see Jake Hager looking in there, something's about to go down. 
This is not going to be, oh, I'm here to intimidate you. A fight's about to happen that that big dude's right there. There's like, I always say there's like Billy Gunn, 6'5", and then there's Jake Hager, 6'5". They, they make 6'5 look like it's 6'10", and he just did that especially just like that. He was the whole doorway. There was nothing behind him. You couldn't see anything behind him, and it was like... MJF that perfect look on his face like he knew he didn't he's like nope yep this is about to happen you know and that's what happens when Jake Hager comes and I love it and this is this is why I say to people like I genuinely think MJF is one of the best heels in pro wrestling the amount of punishment he took and the amount of joy I felt in my soul just seeing it like he's that kind of guy where you see when you see him just get embarrassed the shit kicked out of him like after all of the talking he does he just builds it up to this point where it's like you hate him so much that when he gets his comeuppance it's so gratifying it's not like a kind of thing where you have a heel and he just he just talks and talks and talks there's no point like the one person i would always compare it to in in terms of heel personas is like a stephanie mcmahon for the longest time she never got her comeuppance and it was irritating to always see her on television and then never see anything bad happen to her when she did eventually get it like with vicky guerrero and then when she would lose at wrestlemania where she got speared um like that was great but like there was just a point where it would never end mjf is that character where it's like when he finally gets on your last nerve that's when he gets the shit kicked out of him and you are so overwhelmed with happiness so i can't say enough good about this segment um we'll quickly move also into what we had next which was a young bucks interview uh which was quickly interrupted by don Callis. um now last week kenny omega officially said we're done to the young bucks after giving them one more chance to throw up the two suite complaining about how you guys replaced me with brandon cutler of all people, and Don Callis was just saying, you guys have turned on your best friend. Kenny didn't choose AEW. He didn't choose to like stay in New Japan. He chose to stay with you guys, not go off to greener pastures, not do all this kind of stuff. And you guys have turned your backs on him, basically focusing the heat on Matt, too, being like, you're just not giving me anything, are you? Are you dead inside? And then slaps him across the face and gets so mad Matt grabs Don Callis by the collar and then just doesn't do anything, lets him go, and then just Don's like, is there anything inside of you at all? You make me sick. Just digging it and digging it and digging it and continuing to just get that heat, and he walks away. And we moved into real quick, the trios match. Oh, go ahead. Callis was one of the best heels in the business. He, he's up there, too, yeah. I was going to say, I, I wanted to say also what you guys thought about this promo, for sure. Like, he's, he's disgusting. He's he's evil. He's diabolical. He's power-hungry. Like, he's just, like, vermin. Like, he, no redeeming qualities. Except, oh. like, he's hilarious at the same time. I mean, he's Paul Heyman in a completely different way. Like, they do the same things, but they do it in completely different ways, and it's just as satisfying. It's like it's like what Kenny Omega brings to the ring when he wrestles, Don Callis brings to the mic. It's just you can't touch it. It's always special. You always remember it, and you always hate him for it. 
absolutely, yeah. After this was the uh, trios match between uh, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus uh, the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid. Um, what you get when you get the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid in the ring is a lot of high spots. I especially loved when there was a point where I believe it was uh, either Carl Anderson or Kenny, and they were on the apron. And Kenny and uh, I'm sorry, Phoenix runs just straight across the the ropes kicks him and then just jumps off screen and like they just went all over the place there was a lot of great spots too um anderson again i will say up like besides arn anderson obviously he has one of the best spine busters in the game right now um kenny omega also just really focused on a laredo kid um just slamming his knee into him repeatedly this match just never stopped it just kept going and going and going and going and going there was never a low point in this match um nailed the one-wing angel on laredo kid for the victory don Callis just comes down to the ring as the team celebrated then moxley comes out just starts staring and i thought he was gonna pull uh eddie kingston be like one two three ah fuck it and then just go in the ring but then the young bucks join John Moxley, and then they jump into the ring, and then immediately Omega and the Good Brothers jump out. Um, and this would lead into what they would announce later in the show, that um, we would be getting a trios match between Kenny and the Good Brothers versus John Moxley and the Young Bucks next week on Dynamite. So there was so much in this match just in general. It was, like I said, high spot after high spot after high spot. Um, but I want to go to Rich uh, for this match. Thoughts on this match and what we're getting next week as well. I love when Kenny Omega wrestles the, the luchadors because he wants to wrestle fast. They wrestle fast. He can sell for them. They He's bigger than them at the same time. It's like, it's just a match made in heaven. Um, I, I don't know what it is about Kenny wrestling like guys of different backgrounds. Like, man, it's love, loves wrestling Japanese guys and loves wrestling Mexicans. Like, uh, it, it just works. Uh, I thought it was like four and a half. Like, this was. Just uh, the the Good Brothers and Kenny have just like ruled six mans all year, and uh, Phoenix and Pentagon and uh, Laredo Kid are just all great in their own right. Um, as far as the after the match stuff, um, I think this is very interesting. They're setting up uh, the Bucks and Moxley. Uh, this this could be the Bucks trying to prove their love back to Kenny. Um, it could be you know it, it is a weird pairing. But something I think people want to see ever since that uh, first time on BTE where they were trying to get him to do the shield fist and Moxley just kind of looked at them, which is fucking hilarious. But um, I think we're, we're, we're going to find something out. And I'm interested because it seems like Kenny is interested in feuding with the Young Bucks. So, like, who's his real opponent here? Like, is he going to end up wrestling Nick or is he going to end up wrestling Matt for the title at some point? That's kind of what I want to see coming out of this. I'm kind of done with Moxley and Kenny, personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. God, I wish Kenny Omega would move on to somebody else. I love Moxley, but they got to find something for else for him to do. Because unless this, this feels very WWE, as in how this has went on too long. Well, they were feuding in December, and it's April now. It's... They need to separate. Something needs to separate them. And it's like, well, are you going to put the belt back on Fox? No. Okay. So what are we doing here? Exactly. It's too long. Kenny Omega, I mean, the dude's too entertaining 
to as a wrestler like to another career right now. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, he's like he's too entertaining. He can put on a great match with anybody. Have him be he should just be putting on great matches right now as the world champion. You know, people pushing him to it. Have him go against Jungle Boy and have Jungle Boy push him to the limit or whatever. But, you know, he could be making stars right now and he's just kind of just dicking around with Moxley. Yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm definitely on that point too. I know they're they're trying to I guess tie the loose ends with the whole uh, exploding barbed wire death match, um, which obviously if if things had went the way that it would, um, probably would have been the last time we saw Omega and Moxley together. But I guess they're just trying to tie this together. But I do think this needs to be the last time for a very long time. We've seen it too many times, and I think it's getting to the point where you're not going to be able to book this match even in the future. If you want to, the more you have these guys face off. So this needs to be the end of it, I think. And then have Moxley um, and Kingston go somewhere else and do something else with some other people. Um, or or you could easily just take Moxley off a little bit, if like depending on how far along Renee is with her pregnancy, um, and then just... Like take him off for a little bit. I think I don't think that would be necessarily a bad thing. I think the ring exploding was supposed to be his write off, and I and I think they're confused on what to do. So maybe, maybe that this is they end up writing him off this week. But it's like they could have wrote him off off screen and be like, oh, he got jumped off screen if they really wanted to. So I I just think you know you do need to get rid of him for a while. I, this is one of those times I wish. Japan was open because he could go run and work a tour in New Japan and then, you know, come back fresh. So it's, I mean, when it's, when it's open, that's what they're going to, how they're going to use Moxley. It's just like, okay, you're in Japan for a while. So we don't have to focus on what you do now. So I'm looking forward to it. All right. Up next, we had uh, AW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida teaming with Tay Conti to face off against the native beast Nyla Rose and Allie the Bunny, which I gotta say, I'm surprised we're seeing her wrestle on Dynamite, and I'm I'm all fucking for it good. too. I, I thought the Bunny looked good, and she looked like uh, she's figured out her gimmick, and she she they had to. It's like they're doing a little something with Shida to pass the time. It looks like, as well as trying to establish Ty Conti in that top mix and using them, um, you like the Nyla Rose and someone like the Bunny. It's like you don't, you don't really like, like the Bunny's like it's not gonna like launch you anywhere. I don't think by beating her. However, she is a solid like you know she's over. So I I think it's I think it's um, a, a nice little two or three week program they got going on with her and Ty Conti. Yeah, and I think too that like in just in general, like she works well too. Like she did really well in this match. I felt like I especially um, loved. Like I kind of got like with her bunny gimmick. There's like a little bit of like heel AJ Lee vibe to it, which I I'm a hundred percent for. Um, Nile, of course, was a beast in this match. I'm all for um, Tay Conti uh, really finding herself as a member of the Dark Order, um, but. This ended up, uh, what happened was uh, Sheeta jumped uh, onto the outside, uh, lands on the Butcher and Blade uh, and Private Party. They all catch her, and then Tay Conti then jumped onto the pile once again to blow everybody out. And then while this was all happening and Tay gets back into the ring, Bunny gets hit with Sheeta's kendo stick uh, that's given to, to her by Vicky Guerrero. That 
uh, ends up being the finish after she hits, uh, which I love this name of the finisher, down the rabbit hole. Um, that is a finisher name. <laughs> but she gets the finisher, and she pins Tay Conti for the victory, which I think is a really... I, I was all for this match, honestly. I really liked how like there was a lot of moving parts, and there's way more that you can do with these group of girls like separately um, <laughs> moving forward. But Man, that's a lot of women's stories going on. There's a lot that uh, they can be you know, using in this whole I, thing, I, yes. I mean, I, I think AW has rebuilt the women's division in uh, a just awe-inspiring way when you Talk about putting the infrastructure in place, putting training in place, writing good stuff for people to allow them to take advantage of these situations, like the from the Jade and Velvet Men and the Shag stuff, Thunder Rosa and Brie Baker, the return of we're going to get to it later, Chris Statlander uh, to pick it up. Uh, you got your second stringers, your Joshi stuff. Uh, you got just just depth everywhere out of nowhere. And honestly, I will I will take them. Uh, any day uh, to to you know head up my promotion. Like I think I think the women's division is awesome in AEW, especially this year okay. with Deeb and Riho and Rosa and uh, Britt, Nyla, uh, Ty Conti. You just go down the list. Um, all the grifters going to shut up. Uh, you know stop stop you know stop the cap. Whatever whatever you're doing, uh, we know what you're doing. We called you out on Twitter, Scrubs. Um, <laughs> like this is, I, I the the AEW Women's Division is bad. Is no longer a a respectable take. It's no longer uh, something that that someone that knows what they're talking about uh, would say. So, oh, beware. they're out there. So so that thing Floyd's been saying for months that it takes a while to build a women's division and it there was no Chris Jericho in the women's division and it's going to take a while to get them familiar with the fans and for people to get behind each wrestler mm-hmm. that, that that seems like that's turning out right yeah so I, it, I really it is <laughs> it, it seems like you know just putting people in a whole bunch of uncomfortable situations that they're not ready for wasn't a great idea <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad AEW shut their ears to, to those that don't need to be listened to uh, regarding this stuff, and they they slowly put the, the plan in place. And like your boy Cody says, they did the work when they were ready. They got the spot. They weren't ready six months ago. They weren't. They might have had one or two people ready. Six months later, man, they got a roster. They got about eight people that you can put on TV in any spot and they entertain. That's what time happens. They out there and they're working with Dustin and they're working with Kenny and they're working in the ring with the coaches and they're getting this shit down. Dude. And people were interested in them, I would say. Yes, um, Serena Deeb was a coach in the WWE. This is what she does. <laughs> this is what she does. Right. You know, I was like, when they signed her, and they was like, oh, why did you sign her? I was like, man, they're raising the bar of what good work is going to be, and then you're going to see the other wrestlers step up to that bar. 
and that's what they've just, done. Just keep, just, just keep Abaddon away from me, and I'm and I'm okay. <laughs> the it, it, Abaddon does not bother me at all. The character does not bother me. I I think she is a dark elevation person. She wins, 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 and you build her up to lose the match. I'd have no problem with that. Uh, like I said, the whole gimmick might not be everybody's thing, which it isn't. It isn't everybody's thing, but for what she is, I would never make her my world champion, but I would always make her a threat to be a world champion. And she has a role. And then you guys see who's had a belt longer than anybody in the promotion. Exactly. So when she loses, whenever that is, that is going to be a big loss that matters. All right. Main event time. Arcade Anarchy. It's Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy versus Superbad Kip Sabian and Miro. There was so much to this. And I think this is what Floyd was talking about with teams that can do street fights very well. Um, you had all the arcade cabinets surrounding the ring, including uh, just Mortal Kombat, Killer Instinct, all these kind of games. And Miro and Chuck Taylor, they just, Miro just, there was a point where they were just going, Miro was just beating the shit out of them, and then they just proceeded to not, well, they just laid, they laid a whole bunch of, like, the ring, the ring uh, barricades, and just, like, anything that they could possibly throw onto Miro, they did just to cover him up. Um, we also had um, the return of Chris Statlander, which I genuinely popped really hard for. She's been out with injury for a very long time. She appears in the uh, she appears in the claw machine after uh, Penelope Ford proceeds to uh, beat up Orange Cassidy and kick her with a low blow. Kick him with a low blow. She's about to whip her with her belt, and then that's when Chris Statlander pops out and then just proceeds to slam the crane machine uh, little like plexiglass or whatever that's in the middle and then just goes right into the face of uh, Penelope Ford. Um, and then after Miro is proceeding to just beat up on uh, uh, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor, all of a sudden Sue pulls up and Trent is also back. The best friends fully united. There's just a point where Miro's just getting bounced around in between all the members of the best friends. <laughs> And it's so good. And then eventually the finish came when uh, Chuck Taylor takes Kip Sabian and slams him through uh, the stage and gets the pin. And it was so good. I loved this so much. Um, and then Chris Statlander, too, was also um, proceeded to, I think they, her and Penelope Ford are who went through the, uh, the air hockey table uh, that was outside the ring. Miku, yeah. It was a Mikunoku driver through the air. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, I was like dreading, like, like this feud has been no secret, has been very underwhelming and like very long in the tooth. But when they came out to the ring, I found myself saying, oh shit, I'm excited for this match because Miro looked like he was like dead serious that night. Orange Cassidy looks like his swag was way up. I forgot Chuck Taylor was a plunder god. Um, <laughs> and you know, Kip was willing to wear it. So we got a uh, unexpectedly great match uh, with two great returns. Trent feeling like a huge star. Um, and I, 
you know, with the music with Orange Cassidy, um, that they changed to the Pixies, uh, Where's My Mind song. That was so uh, fucking I love it. perfect. Never heard I love that. Like, it was, this is like, it, it was beautiful, like, to watch, like, them celebrating at the end. And it was like, yo, this feels so right. I finally, I, it, it felt like the best friends act clicked for me or whatever in a way it had before. And like, music brought it all together. And I, I, um, commend Tony Khan for figuring something out with Orange Cassidy like that because I'm someone that had never even heard the song of the band anything I watched a music video for the song and I thought about Orange Cassidy and I was like oh I get it and it's like uh, you know I, I thought this was an incredible match and you know the best friends don't fuck around in street fights apparently like that's their shit five star, free, five star street fights dude every time you need, you mean, dude, you just need a random plunder, hardcore match. You put the best friends in, and they are just so good at it. It's like, I, I personally, I, I've not really high on any of them. You know, Orange Cassidy exists. Chuck Taylor and Trent exist. I don't hate them. I love Chris Statlander. Big stat fan. Don't get Same. me wrong. Yeah, but the other three, eh, I'm like, they're there. They serve their purpose. And... But when they get in the when they get in the plunder match, oh dude, I'm focused on the TV because <laughs> they're going to grab my attention. But but um, yeah, I think this this was uh, this is a masterpiece, honestly, and it's just another cool match AEW has in back pocket and, it, and, and just being in touch with with the youth. <laughs> for a second rich you said being in touch with the youth what yes uh, that's all i said okay they're, they're just in touch with the youth ah uh, yes is there a single character my plays in the arena full of people it's gonna be like a cultural shift to like it's yes it's gonna feel like how when when cole's personality was playing when cm punk came out like it's gonna it's gonna feel exactly the same is there any single person in AEW more over than sue I don't know, man. <laughs> nothing you can hate about it. Well, well, first of all, when when Miro just tried to run after Sue, I was like, "You stay the fuck away from her." Yes, she drives off. Yeah, it's like you. He drives up in the. She drives up in the four door family car, <laughs> and Trent gets out. I don't know. It is the most undercover, cool entrance in wrestling. <laughs> It's like my mom brought me to wrestle. My mom brought me to fight men. This is it's amazing. I popped the kiss hard. Of the cheek makes it. Yes, I popped so hard for that because he's trying to remain in. He, that he, man pulled up wearing no shirt. <laughs> pulled up in jeans. Yes, angry, and he kept the angry face when she kissed him. <laughs> it's the best. It is the best. I don't know why it works for me so much, but it does. It's like I gotta stay hard, you know, even though my mom's kissing me on the cheek because I'm about to fight somebody. But it, it it was amazing. And Miro, they kept him looking strong. Of course, like it took like up four people <laughs> whooping his ass, to keep him down with weapons. So, and then you know, I think they pinned Kip, right? Because yeah, Kip got pinned. Guess yeah. who still hasn't got pinned? And all these people that says, "Oh, I don't like what they're doing with Miro." Miro ain't took the three, not one time. Just and again, it's <laughs> it's 
it's all gonna lead to because like I genuinely because there was there was little tidbits of this too where Miro was getting annoyed with Kip before this match even happened. This is where Miro just cuts Kip off and then just like I'm I'm moving for myself. Yeah. And people who are like, where's Dominant Miro? You're going to get him. Yeah, their blow off match is gonna be on elevation because nobody wants to see that on Dynamite. <laughs> it could be the main event of elevation, but nobody wants to see Kip get destroyed on Dynamite. It's just pointless. But yes, Muro can move on to bigger and better things. Uh yeah, uh this this match for what that night was, it was the perfect main event. I was afraid for it because so much awesome shit had happened before it. I was like, how's it going to live up to what has happened the rest of the show? It did it successfully. Absolutely. Yeah, they they had a bunch of hot angles. They had a bunch of matches that delivered. This is just this is pro wrestling. And the show made me so happy to be a fan of WWE. It really lifted my spirits personal level out of you know but um yeah man like just like one for the ages like up there with the all right we had a little bit of cutting out issues but i think people got most of what you said about like this really after everything you've been going through you just got over COVID 19 and everything i think people really are seeing like how much this episode meant to you and i want to make sure that got across uh despite the little yeah. glitches and stuff like that yeah. but yeah, was it was what I needed. Dynamite. I feel like it was what I needed uh, during the week. Also, it was just, it was like a shot of adrenaline. And it's just like, as I look forward to what's going on or what's coming up, it, it was exactly what I needed. I get to go next week. I get to go see Rich and all the people in Tampa. And I am, yeah. and as of Wednesday, that was 14 when days since Friday night, uh, about 930. Okay. Uh, since, um, since there's been two weeks since I've been, got my shots. I don't know if I'm going to be in town, Floyd. You know, my birthday is next Friday, right? No, I did not. Yeah. The wife has something planned for me. Um, I don't, I'm sure I'll be back in town at some point, but, um, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to see you. Okay. So your birthday is when I come in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like I'm going to for the culture. I'm only going to one show right now. I'm going to for the culture, uh, the Thursday night yeah. night show. So uh, I'm going to do that. But um, yeah, I, we can probably talk off air. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah, we'll really quickly get into the previews that we have going for next week. Um, real quick, in terms of dark elevation, where the big matches that were announced was the Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page match versus the Sidels, and also Matt Hardy will be taking on ten of the Dark Order. As AEW Dynamite for next week stands, we have the trios match between Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus John Moxley and the Young Bucks. The Inner Circle fully returns on Dynamite and has some stuff to say. Darby Allen will be taking. On JD Drake in singles competition, the Bunny versus Tay Conti in singles match, and Jurassic Express will be getting a match against Bear Country. Yes, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to Tay Conti's match, of course. Uh, Darby Allen versus JD Drake. I think there's that's going to be like the standard Darby Allen gets his ass beat match, but Kenny Omega and the ball 
match. Yeah, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers have a busy week next week. Because I did not say this. If you, if you tune into Impact, if you you wait until Kenny Omega is going to wrestle to tune into Impact, next week is the week on, I think they're still on Tuesday next week, right? I think it's a Thursday they're going to be wrestling. Okay, Thursday. It'll be Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Rich Swan, Willie Mack, and Eddie Edwards in a six-man tag. So Kenny Omega oh, and the Good man. Brothers would be busy. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it looks like it's just going to – you're going to probably hear something from uh, Dustin and Cody next week, or maybe they play it off for another week. But I am looking forward to the Jurassic Express and Bear Country. Did you see on the uh, graphic they made it against like Kong versus Godzilla? Yes, because they yeah. were promoting that, um, like which I thought was very funny. Yeah, it's like a sponsored match. Um, Bear Country had a really good feature on um, Dark Elevation this week, and uh, this is more what I mean about depth. Like Bear Country, like they're just hanging out out there, in uh, AEW like brings those guys in and then. They look like there's someone now. This should be a really good match. They say yeah. they say the Nightmare Factory is supposed to be the feeder for AEW, but uh, it looks like Creative Pro, Pro got that. Uh, <laughs> what is that? MJF stat. They got a little. Work. They've got they've got the Rhodes Wrestling Academy. They got the Nightmare Family uh, place. They've got Creative Pro that has seemingly stocked AEW with young prospects. So, and you know when the Indies open up, I'm sure you know. They'll have PWG with Excalibur, you know. Yeah. So. It, yeah, it's just a lot of talent coming from a lot of different places. And it's a young talent. And you know what? AEW's going to give them a chance to show what they got. And if, you, if you're good, they're going to push the shit out of you. So I'm looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to the show going forward. All right. Well, well I it's, think that – Bill Collier. Too. Keep your eyes on him because they had him wrestle Mox and then they've got him in there with Hangman. So those are usually dead giveaways that they're very interested in somebody. Oh yeah, yeah, I can I can see that for sure. But that I think will wrap up episode 100 of All Things Elite. First off, Rich Latta, the king of the victory lap. Thank you so much for joining us and being our special guest for this uh, special episode. I love this show. I'm I'm happy anytime you guys uh, call me to 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 join, and uh, I love AEW, and I, you know, am happy for you guys to get to your hundredth show. I remember my hundredth show um, many many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, just 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 keep doing y'all thing, keep killing it, and um, you know, keep spitting the real. Yes. Absolutely, and remember, he is the co-host of One Notion, One Nation Radio on Social Suplex. Where can people uh, find that show, and also you on social media, real quick? Yeah, you can just follow at One Nation Radio. Um, you can follow James at James Way Seven. Uh, you like Joshi stuff? He's like uh, can usually navigate you guys on that stuff. Um, and then you know me at Rich Ladder Thirty Two. Type me in on YouTube as well. Subscribe to uh, my music channel. Absolutely. And the man's on TikTok now, so do that. Yep. But, yes, thank you guys so much for listening uh, to this episode. Obviously, we're very happy that we've been able to make it 100 episodes in. We want to thank you guys so much for sticking with us. And especially on my behalf, again, I haven't been here for the longest time, and I've been doing everything I can to make this show as good as I feel um, I can make it on my end. And Floyd's been doing amazing, obviously, just having this whole show be what it is and 
interesting me to be a part of it as well. Um, so thank you guys so much for making this really special. I'm truly happy to be a part of this whole thing. We'll real quick uh, get all the plugs and everything in, and then we'll have Rich, uh, we'll have Floyd take us home for this episode. Make sure you're listening to us on downloading our show on Google or Apple Podcast, and if you listen to us on any other platform, Spotify, whatever, share us around with whoever you wish and whoever you think would enjoy it, even if they don't think they might not enjoy it. Share it anyway, because that would really mean the world. Leave a rating and a review. If you're so inclined, you can leave a donation through Red Circle. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is our podcasting network that has this One Nation Radio and all of our other shows. I am at Sumer 4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Floyd, for episode 100, please take us home. Yes, uh, this is just going to be a couple of quick thank yous. Uh, thank you to the young boy Josh Smith for reaching out uh, for me to do this show. He was the original to reach me out. I reach out to me, or this was originally his idea. Thank you to Mr. Jeremy Donovan the godfather of the social suplex uh, for entrusting me with this. Uh, thank you to everyone that has guested on the show. Uh, thank you for to Sydney, Tiffany, Jackie, JR. And like, if I'm missing someone, I'm sorry. I just, I, this, I don't want this to go on for 10 minutes, but I want to thank everyone that has had anything to do with the direction of this show, everyone that has entered a contest and won something from the show, even if you never listened again, you probably won't hear this, but I'm still saying thank you. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a good ride so far. I look forward to a hundred more and I can't wait to bring, uh, I can't wait to bring uh, James Boyd on the episode when Cody finally wins the world title. So that should be fun. <laughs> Uh, but uh, again, thank you everyone. And just remember if it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.